with a nice dribble. Going strong oh. to the rack. <laughs> hey, hey, Joe, what a finesse move. You want to see a dead body? <laughs> What's up, guys? Welcome to Birdwatch. I am Christian Clark, the Pelicans beat writer for NOLA.com and The Advocate. Here today, Friday morning, with Jeff Nowak. Hey, y'all. We are mercifully at the midpoint of the season. I know how exhausted I feel, and I'm just a guy who sits in Section 300 and nitpicks the team. I can't imagine how tired the players and the coaches feel after... uh, a million games in a million and one days, constant testing throughout the season, um, not being able to leave your hotel rooms on road trips. I think this has been a, an, an exhausting, draining, um, not very much fun first half of the season, frankly. Um, the Pelicans are 15-21. and 21. They lost to the Miami Heat on Thursday. They're in 11th place, three games behind the Memphis Grizzlies, for the 10th spot. Um, that 10th spot is important this year because that's you know the last place that gets you into the play-in tournament, which is kind of what the Pelicans are going for this year. Um, I, I think you know that's, that's pretty disappointing no matter what way you slice it. I mean, just think about Memphis. John Morant missed time with the sprained ankle. Jaron Jackson Jr. hasn't played at all this year. The Pelicans have maybe been the NBA's most healthy team. Zion's missed two games. Um, that's it. I mean, they just, they haven't really had any major injuries, uh, knock on wood. I saw Jake Madison point this out um, on, on Twitter last night. The Pelicans are tied with the Oklahoma City Thunder record-wise. I mean, the Thunder aren't even really trying to win this year. They're a team that is doing an artful tank, basically. Um, it is a, it's been a pretty disappointing first half of the season for the New Orleans Pelicans. Um Jeff, can you can you like try to talk me off of this ledge a little bit? I mean, should I should I even be talked off of it? Is your fifth toe sore? Is that what's going on? Is that why you're in a bad mood today? Uh, my whole my whole body's sore. Yeah, <laughs> because I, I'm pretty sure that's uh, that's what kept Zion out yesterday. He had a sore fifth toe, which I believe is your pinky toe. Um, I don't I don't know why we've uh, we've moved away from calling it a pinky toe. We, that was a weird we one. Yeah, that was a weird one. <laughs> I think well, and I think your great toe is what they call the uh, large toe, the big toe. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know why we're why we're giving so much undue respect to the toe uh, naming conventions in this in this injury reporting. But here we are. Um, you know, it's it's so strange because it kind of feels like we're in a time warp from last season because this is a, exactly where the Pelicans were <laughs> throughout the entire second half of last year before the uh, before the pause, which was, man, they seem so much better than the Grizzlies. Every time they play, they, they blow them out of the water, but for whatever reason, they just can't seem to find the level of consistency to get to a point where you're like, man, this team is showing that they are, you know, a team that belongs in the playoffs. Um, they have these moments. They beat the Bucks at home, they beat the Jazz at home, and then immediately followed those games up with two bad losses, both times. Um, <laughs> and both times it involved the Bulls, uh, who, you know, Kobe White is just a guy who seems to hit every big shot he's ever taken against the Pelicans. I don't know why, but like those are the games that drive you nuts because you see the potential. Um, yesterday was the first game all season that they lost while allowing fewer than 110 points. So I think that's a weird game. Obviously, you didn't have what. Zion or Redick 
Um, <laughs> you got a lot of Jackson Hayes who made sure uh, it was easy to forget that fourth quarter performance <laughs> the other night. I was so excited to come on here and talk about, hey, Jackson Hayes, he looks like he's starting to figure out how he can impact the game. And then he got hit in the face with a ball. He didn't seem to have control of his limbs at all in that game. Jackson and, Hayes, uh, he played one good quarter. Hang the banner, baby. <laughs> all right, continue, continue. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I wish that he didn't play at all last night because it erased every positive vibe you could have had from like, oh, man, okay, he's, he's coming in, he's showing energy, he's contesting shots, he can go up for lobs. And then last night, it was like it was like he just lost control of his limbs. I counted at least six times. The ball was thrown to him, and he just got his hands on it and just couldn't catch it. Um, and, and and that's just been been the story of his career. I think is just like there's these little flashes. There's these little flashes where you understand, okay, I, this is why you become a top ten pick. But then you have these broad stretches of just. Like he doesn't know how to play basketball, and 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 that's that's the frustration, and I get it. Um, but I will say, I will say. So I look this up just before we came on here. Last year, after thirty six games, so as bad as things feel right now, just go back. Even like it's almost like a year and a half at this point. Last year, after thirty six games, Pelicans are twelve and twenty four. So not that much worse, but it's worse when you consider that they were 6-22 and 22 before that. So uh, to get to 12-24, and 24, they had to win six of eight games. Um, at this point, Zion Williamson hadn't played a game yet. This is that early in the season. Um, you know, you're relying on Jackson Hayes playing significant minutes. You know, you had Brandon Ingram kind of showing off, the, similar to what you had to see last night. Um, and I think last night is a good indication of what you experienced last season a lot more. Um, and that game was brutal to watch. And that's, that's similar to what you were seeing in the first half of last season. Now, there have been a lot of frustrations this year and through this first 36 games, but I think you have seen a more consistently competitive group outside of that long road trip where they really just fell off the wagon. Um, and, you know, as, as frustrating as it would be for the Pelicans to fall down and get a high pick and miss that 10th spot, we knew all along this is a long build. This is a, you know, you're not pointing the needle straight up. You're pointing, you're pointing it far out in the distance uh, to the point where you are consistently competitive. And I think, you know, when you take a broader look, I think this is a team that has improved uh, markedly from a year ago. And it's, they're just not where they need to be right now. See, I don't, I don't know if I, I necessarily agree with that. I mean, we... Like you pointed out, the record this year to last year, they've got three more wins um, through through thirty six games this year than last year. I mean, this year they're they're getting basically an all time offensive season from Zion Williamson. Like few guys in their early twenties have ever been able to do what he's what he's done in terms of scoring as much as efficiently. And yet here they sit with only three more wins. Um, I I agree with you that watching that Heat game, which Zion did not play in did give me flashbacks to last season of like, oh my gosh, like there's just, this is a mess. Like there's there's no way they're going to win this game. Um, and it it kind of just like left me wondering how much talent really is there on, on this team? I mean, I know it's a young team, but I, I keep hearing the players saying, oh, we have the talent in the room. We have the talent in the room. I keep hearing Stan Van Gundy say we have the talent in the room, but are we are we sure are we positive that they have the talent in the room? Because like Zion, I mean, obviously we've talked about that at length 
Brandon Ingram, a very, very talented scorer. Um, I mean, out, outside of that, like how many guys do you feel confident in who are going to be, you know, plus contributors on the Pelicans for a number of years? Um, I want to, I want to talk about three guys in particular, Nikhil Alexander Walker, his season slash at 41% from the field, 31% from three averaging basically two assists a game and 1.1 turnovers. We know he's not a point guard. Are we sure he's a shooting guard either? Because he's having trouble, you know, scoring efficiently. I know his strength is at running a team, but I mean, it's only year two. You know, I think there's a little bit of concern there. Um, Jackson Hayes, I mean, he's been like, frankly, unplayable at, at, at different points in the season. He had that fourth quarter against the Bulls, which, you know, great. I'm, I'm glad he played one good quarter. But like, it's, it's a little concerning that the eighth overall pick in last year's draft, like, you, you can't even feel confident in him throwing him out there for like 15 minutes a night as a backup center. I mean, he he just he hasn't grown into his body yet. I mean, I don't know how long it's going to take. Is it going to be a Bruno Caboclo thing where he's two years away from two years away? Like, you see it in flashes, but like, he, he doesn't even look like he can control his body out there to me. I mean, he's just so young. I think it's just going to take a lot of time with him if it ever clicks for him at the NBA level. And then the last guy is Nicole Melia, a veteran. Um, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, it pains me to do this. It pains me to do this, but I'm just going <laughs> to read you the numbers and let you react. All right. Here's Nicole Melia's line this year. 1.7 points per game, 2.2 rebounds, 10.9 minutes, 22.5% shooting from the field, 21.2% from three. I mean, what what happened? He gave them like okay minutes for I don't know two two months last year. I mean, what happened? And he fouls constantly. I mean, yeah. if you looked at like fouls per minute, it would be off the charts. Um, and that's you know you, you you like a guy who can get in there and <laughs> beat people up, but th- and that's not the fouls he's getting. These are like can't move type fouls. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> I don't think we need to go too deep on Nicola Melli. I think we uh, we all see what's going on there. Well, I'll just say this. Uh Darius Bertans, uh Pelicans legend Darius Bertans. <laughs> uh do you know what he slashed in, in twelve games he played with New Orleans? Twenty five and a half percent from the field, twenty nine point four percent from three. Numbers not dissimilar to what Nicola Melli is posting this year. Anytime you're lumped in in the same breath with Darius Bertans, it's not good. It's not good, Jeff. No, they've been they've been trying to recapture the Nikola Mirotic magic for like three seasons, and they just can't do it. They can't find it. He's he's a unicorn, uh, but yeah. And it just it, it, you brought up Jackson in the eighth pick, and it's like you keep going back to man, DeAndre Hunter would be a really useful guy to have on the team right now. <laughs> oh, would he? Oh, would he? Uh, and even even the picks, I don't even hate the trade. Um, I just, as you, as you get further and further along, it just seems like the picks were, you know, you, you can argue with Nikhil at 17. I think 17 is kind of a dart throw as you, as you kind of get further and further away from that draft, it's just taking a guy who is, was always going to be a project at number eight when you took Zion at number one, just seems more and more like just a poor, poor decision when guys like Cam Reddish and, and other, you know, more serviceable scorers. Um, and shooters were were readily available. Uh, I don't know. It's it's tough. It's tough to. It's tough. It's getting tougher and tougher to defend that pick. <laughs> if that makes sense. 
Yeah, I mean, like, look at look at just the lineup of guys who went immediately after Jackson Hayes at eight. Rui Hachimura, nine to the Wizards. Cam Reddish, ten to the Hawks. Cam Johnson, eleven. Oh man, they could they could use Cam Johnson on this roster. I mean, they they need some shooting. Um, PJ Washington to the Hornets after that. Tyler Hero to the Heat yeah. after that. I mean, I I I agree with you that I I really don't hate the trade. Like you know, give yourself a couple more throws at the dartboard. It was the execution of the throws at the dartboard that is uh that's not looking great right now. So right, they threw I'm, at the wrong dartboard. Yeah, they they threw at the <laughs> like wrong. There were dart three dartboards lined up, and they threw to the one at the far left. Anyway, well, I will say this: I think, I think they, I think they got it right this year. Kyra Lewis Jr. I think, I mean, you could just watch him, and it's apparent that he's a guy who can play. I don't, I don't totally understand why he's even fallen out of the rotation because they just, I mean, they just don't have that many guys who are like can play and, and give them energy and a spark and are sound decision makers every night. And, you know, he's he's a guy who can give you some of that. I mean, I thought he played pretty good in that game against the Heat. So, you know, if you're looking for silver linings, I think, like, Kyra is at least one place. Like, if you're looking at, like, okay, like, who can we build this thing with, um, you know, long-term, Kyra, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, like, that's that's the three guys I look at. Yeah, I I, I wonder how much of the rotation right now is built on – you know, we have these guys and we have to play them. Um, like, you have to play Lonzo Ball. You have to play Eric Bledsoe. You have to play J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick was out last night. And you saw a lot more run from Cairo Lewis. Um, these are all guys who could be traded. You don't know. Um, and you I, you hope to see that logjam cleared somehow um, throughout the course of the season because it serves no one to continue to hope Eric Bledsoe will play confident defense um <laughs> and and if the issue with Kyra is defense I don't see Eric Bledsoe doing anything that's that's keeping him off the floor defensively that's been probably my biggest disappointment of the season so far has been watching Eric Bledsoe get blown by repeatedly on the perimeter for a guy who profiles as a defender um to just continue to, it, it's it just doesn't compute for me that he can't be a good on-ball defender um and he just hasn't been and and that's to me, that's like the biggest part of the defense that's just just sending all of the ends fraying off is they have no on-ball defense. Um, and for a guy like Kyra to sit on the bench while that's happening, I, I don't know, especially because you've seen him have his his struggles, but it doesn't he doesn't seem like a guy that's allowing difficulties to, you know, linger. Uh and that's something you could say about Nikhil Alexander-Walker to almost a detrimental level. But, um, yeah, I think I think Kyra, especially last night, I was very impressed with the way he handled that um, that situation. He's got the floater that I wish Lonzo Ball had, um, <laughs> which would open up Lonzo's game so much. Uh, that, like, little, like, halfway into the lane just boop. Um, and I think I think that's he, – he's, he's shown a lot. I'm kind of rambling, but, yeah. I love a good floater game. I love a, a quick guard with a good floater game. It's fun to watch. Um, okay, so like, I think you hit on like, what are some ways this can get a little bit better just this season? I'm not going big picture here because the Pelicans, they still have a lot of avenues for improving their team in the big picture. I mean, they have like that war chest of picks that they can they can cash in. You know, maybe they'd be 
opportunistic and, and go, you know, hunting for a big fish this off season. But like, what are the ways it could get better this year? I mean, the number one thing I look at is move on from Eric Bledsoe and put Kyra Lewis Jr. into the starting lineup. Like that's, that's one thing I look at that makes you more dynamic offensively. That gives you a guy on defense who is at least hungry. I mean, you know, what Stan Van Gundy has said is Kyra's kind of fallen out of the rotation because he's tried to get more defense in there. I think Kyra's like, especially for a 19-year-old rookie, I think he's actually been okay on defense. I'm not, I don't, I don't completely get that. I mean, he makes mistakes on ball. Like what I see on ball is sometimes he overpressures, like he tries to get up in guys' jerseys when they're near half court and gets blown by. Um, but to me, that's fixable and correctable. And I think he's pretty good already off the ball. Like he has instincts. We've already seen a number of times this year where like he just comes over from the weak side and you know makes a play and intercepts a pass and takes it the other way for a basket. So I don't I don't necessarily hate what he's what he's done defensively, to be perfectly honest with you. Um you know, there are a lot of disappointing things about this team this year, but I think you're right that like the Eric Bledsoe thing, like that that has to be high, high, high on the list. I mean, this is just not the guy who we saw in Milwaukee. And, you know, it seems like it was a miscalculation, I guess, to think that, you know, a veteran guy's been in the league for 10 years in, in this instance could go from like a winning contending team to a team that's still rebuilding and still give the same effort level. I mean, I don't even know if you can like should blame management for that. I don't know if you should blame Eric Bledsoe for that, but it's just been bad. I wish we had a running counter of all the times Eric Bledsoe has been beaten on back cuts this season. I counted two on my first watch in that Miami game last night of Jimmy Butler just saying, see ya, and then throwing it over the top and getting a layup. I think back to that Detroit game in Detroit, which was arguably their worst loss of the season. I mean, we talked about that play where uh, Eric Bledsoe's guy threw it to Steven Adams' guy. He cuts right behind Eric Bledsoe for the layup, and Steven Adams just, like, swears and, like, throws his hands up into the air. I mean, like, if you're... If Steven Adams is getting frustrated like that, then it's just, it's just not good. I mean, it seems more like a want and an effort thing than a lack of talent with, with Bud right now, and, like, I mean, I just, I don't even know where you go from here. I mean, it just, it just seems like, I mean, you, you just got to move on or, or try if you can. Yeah. And, and I, I agree with you. And that's been the, why it's so frustrating to watch because he is a guy who, you know, can play elite defense. He profiles as an elite defender. He's got the measurables. He's got the athleticism. He's got the talent. And it just seems like a commitment thing. It seems like an energy thing. Um, and I don't know what you do with that. And and there's going to be a difficulty in moving him because he gets paid a lot of money. Um, and that's going to, you know, for any team that's that's got a crowded, you know, cap table, it's going to be a tough a tough investment to make and a tough contract to match in a trade. Um, so I don't I don't know what you can do with him, but it's it's tough to see it getting better. If that makes sense, I, it's tough to see. You know, you've watched 36 games and you've seen kind of the uh, the situation that has un, unfolded, and it's it's tough to see that situation just kind of improving. Um, but 
I don't know, maybe, maybe a week off <laughs> cures a lot of ills and, uh, and they can get, they can get back to uh, competent defense on that front. But all I know is something has to change. Um, when you look at guys like Lonzo Ball, guys like Nikhil, guys like Kyra, just so many guards and you don't need them all. Um, I've been kind of vacillating on whether Pelican should actually trade Lonzo Ball. And there's been this idea that because he's played better, you know, he's, he's shooting a lot better. He's shooting up near 40% from the perimeter. He's getting more aggressive. He's getting into the paint. Um, Kenny Smith, who was on the broadcast last night because Grant Hill's audio cut out and they couldn't get him back. He's been having all sorts of problems broadcasting Pelicans games. Uh, I think the last time they were on the, they had a Pelicans game, it might've been the jazz game. Uh, they came back from commercial and there was like static hissing and it sounded like aliens were trying to communicate through the TV. But um, he, he said that he made the point that uh, if you go back to when Lonzo Ball won the summer league MVP, um, the main difference was he was aggressive all the time. And he's like, that's the only difference between him and then and now. I was like, well, there's at least one other difference in that it was the summer league. Um, but little different quality of players <laughs> yeah, there. slightly. Josh Hart also won a summer league MVP. Oh, I was there for that one. That was a, that was a great summer league, man. I remember Superstar. I remember the Lakers fans that summer league. Like, we are winning a the championship with this young core. <laughs> and, like, I mean, I guess they did win a championship, but it was by uh, trading away that young the, core. But the good continue. times are never going to end. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, and, and I think – I know I'm kind of getting off topic here, but and I think you you do you trade Lonzo right now because uh, this is kind of like if you're if you're a stocks person, right? If you if you're buying stocks and you you buy a stock high and then it just plummets off the face of the earth, but you're holding you're holding because you're not going to sell low, and then it and it, it you know surges back to the point where you're at your break even point, and uh, and then you're like well. I don't want to miss out. I have FOMO now. So I'm going to hold and see what happens. <laughs> and, then, and then you lose money again. Uh, and, and that's kind of where they're at right now. I think the if the Pelicans don't trade uh, Lonzo at this point, it's it's a FOMO thing. It's, well, now we believe what we had already stopped believing. And now he's showing that he can do that. So we're going to keep him. I don't see it. I don't see it. Um, and Shamit Dua uh, from Bourbon City Shots posted, uh, posted an article the other day, which was really interesting. And it was pointing out, you know, some of the roadblocks to, you know, teams kind of getting over the hump as they're rebuilding. And one of the major roadblocks is overpaying to retain good, not great players. Um, and I think that's, if the Pelicans keep on the ball, I think that is very much the situation they would be in um, where, you know, you're going to end up having to pay him. Uh, and, and I don't, I think that there is a return you can get. And I don't think that I don't think that keeping him now, I don't think changing that plan would be uh, would be ideal. But um, I think <laughs> I am excited that Lonzo Ball has turned into a player over the last few weeks that is worth talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I think that's a really interesting discussion. Um, Lonzo has played better, um, you know. Shout out to him for just completely, you know, reinventing his three point shot and becoming not even just like a serviceable three-point shooter, but a good three-point shooter. I've seen, you know, some signs of progress in terms of, you know, his ability to attack the basket. Um, we've seen like those power drives. And that was actually something we talked about earlier in the season where 
Like he's clearly just not, I mean, he's not a good finisher at all inside at the rim, but he's not going to probably be a finesse finisher. So that was something we talked about is like, just go off of two feet, like you're six foot six, just like try to be a little more of a power finisher. And I actually think we've seen some of that. Um, but yeah, I, I think I probably come down on the side of, yeah, you, I think you probably have to move on from Alonzo. I mean, you've already committed, you know, 25% of your cap to, to Brandon Ingram for the next couple of years. I mean, Zion Williamson's payday is, uh, is coming up. I, I just, I don't know if it, it makes a lot of sense to commit 18 to $20 million to Lonzo Ball. And I'm not, I'm not like, I don't want to, this to be taken as like I'm crapping on the guy because like he's played better. I think, you know, he's going to be a useful, productive player somewhere. I don't know necessarily know if it'll be New Orleans. Um, I actually think like a pretty interesting fit for him, and this will probably not surprise that many people who listen to this podcast regularly, is Denver. I mean, <laughs> I think Lonzo is a guy who like gets his energy from when the ball is popping and, and Jokic can be the guy that like, you know, is their engine in the half court. Um, I don't know. So maybe that's a, maybe that's a place you look at, but yeah, I mean, and it just goes back to this question, you know, what you and Schmidt were talking about, how much do you want to, how much do you want to reward guys for just a lot of losing? Like, I mean, can you just back up the Brinks truck to multiple guys when you just haven't won? Like, does that, does that send the wrong message? Like, do you want to incentivize guys to like, I don't know, for just, for just losing and like not, not doing what you're supposed to do in the end. Um, I don't know. So that I, I probably, you know, come down on the same side of the, uh, that argument as you guys. Yeah. And, and I mean, I don't think this is being critical of Lonzo at all. I think it's actually, uh, the opposite, which is like, if he was playing poorly and you couldn't get anything back for him, then it wouldn't be worth trading him. And his, and you know, the amount you would probably end up having to pay him would be lower. I think the way he's playing now makes it, uh, at, incentivizes a trade more because there probably is a team out there that's watched what he's done over the past few weeks and is suddenly willing to part with a bit more than they would have uh, maybe a month ago when when uh, he was uh, just unwatchable. And and what, one thing I'll say real quick, if I can, is I really wish we, have, we had gotten more Kyra and Lonzo minutes together already this season because Lonzo and Eric Bledsoe are just not good fits with each other in the background. I mean, I'm not sure anybody would be a good fit next to Eric Bledsoe, like playing the way he's playing right now. But I mean, it, it, it just seems like, like Lonzo shooting the three ball well, but neither of those guys really make defenses fear them as outside shooters. And I don't think they, they either, I don't think either of them really make defenses fear them as drivers either. Like I would love to see, I think they just need to be a little more like dynamic offensively. And that's not even, you know, touching on the defensive issues, but like, I think Kyra's like element of a dribble penetration and the pressure he puts on defenses as a driver and like his ability to create and the pick and roll. I think he and Lonzo like could be fits together. I mean, I'm just not sure how much we're even going to see that at all this season, but I wish, I wish we had seen it more because it, it just, looks interesting in the the brief flashes we've got and on paper to me. Yeah, and I think it's always difficult to incorporate a young point guard um, because you have to look at the rotations and the guys they're playing with. If you watch that game last night, uh, there were some really, really awful, awful rotations to watch. Uh, there was a point in the, I don't even know, if, it might have been the end of the first quarter, it might have been midway through the second, but there was a Nikhil, Melly, Jackson Hayes rotation 
that I think had Alonzo and Bledsoe at one point, and then Kyra Lewis showed up and kind of took over. But <laughs> I think when you bring in a young guy who's supposed to lead a group, it it can be difficult because you don't want to throw that that young player in with guys you don't trust. And um, so it's a lot different than incorporating a young wing uh, who's going to be off the ball. So I, I, I do – I do want to like pump the brakes on being, you know, overcritical of the Kyra minutes because I think that it is a lot more difficult than it than it might appear to to get a guy, a young point guard, into a lineup. Uh, and I think Stan has has gone between a lot of rotations uh, at this point, trying to figure out what works because uh, he's trying to win games. You know, he's not he's not out there trying to trying to develop Kyra Lewis at the expense of winning games. He wants to win. He wants to. He wants to get this team into contention. And I think that's Yeah, he's gone to an eight man rotation. He's definitely right. trying to win games right now. <laughs> uh and and it's a it, there's 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 a very thin needle they're trying to hit and uh, they've they've missed um to this point. Yeah, I mean it, it's just it's a difficult thing to try to do both, you know, to to build toward the future um and also be competitive in the present. Um it's it's just a difficult thing to do. Um, all right, let's uh, let's talk about the least fun topic this list, last part of the show, the defense. I mean, I know this has just come up over and over again. If you listen to those post-game interviews with Stan Van Gundy, I mean, it, it literally comes up after every game. I mean, he, I think he even knows that he sounds like a broken record, but that doesn't mean he's wrong. I mean, right now, the Pelicans are sixth in offense. They're 29th in defense. I mean, they have like one of the 10 worst defensive ratings of all time. And part of that is that they're a bad defensive team in the season where offense has just exploded. Um, but, you know, Stan said, look, our, our pathway towards being a more consistent team, you know, is is just like getting closer to league average on the defensive end. Um, and look, I agree with him. You know, Stan said that some people might be tired of hearing it, but it's true. Um I, I mean, I, I think, I don't know if that was like directed towards fans. I don't know if it was directed towards some of the, the Pelicans players, but look, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's just, it's just got to get closer to, to league average. And, um, I, I don't know what to do, man. There's just, there's just so much stuff wrong with this defense right now. Um, I mean, they're on pace to give up the most three pointers of all time. Um, they, they can't really defend on the perimeter and they don't really have a backline eraser. Like, I don't think, I don't think Steven Adams is a bad defender by any means, but if you're counting on him to constantly clean up your mistakes, like be that last line of defense eraser, he's just not that guy at this stage of his career. Like for Steven Adams to look good on defense, he needs other guys to like do their job most of the time. And those other guys he's out on the floor with, they can't do their job most of the time. Is that, do you feel like that's a, a fair way of putting it? Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. It's it's so tough to to try to pinpoint what's causing just repeated and just uh just consistent 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 below average defensive basketball, below to bad. Uh and I always go back to the perimeter defense because it just seems like the Pelicans just can't influence the ball they can't seem to get the ball to go uh anywhere it doesn't want to go um 
when you're not making the the offense have to make difficult decisions, uh, you're not going to be successful at the NBA level. The play, the the offense is too good, uh, the shooting is too good, the finishing is too good, um, and. One thing, one thing Kenny Smith pointed out last night that I thought was a good observation is the Pelicans don't double. They rarely double. They rarely take the ball out of somebody's hands. Um, and that, and that and he, like Jimmy Butler just tore him up last night, and they didn't do anything to get the ball out of his hands. Um, and I don't know if that's like they, they struggle so much with the, with the base rotations they're trying to, they're trying to execute that, they, that they're worried that if they try to throw any kind of exotic double teams in there, it'll just fall apart completely. Um, but they, they don't do a lot of that. It's, it's the same approach night after night after night. Um, and maybe that's just Stan trying to, trying to teach, you know, because they're packing the paint. They're trying to, they're trying to stop points at the, the points in the paint and you know make teams beat them from threes which they have been um but yeah going back to when i said you know a guy like deandre hunter would be great to have on this team that's on both sides of the floor um they don't yeah. have a single guy on the defensive side of the ball outside of steven adams who i would point to and say he is a above average he is an, an above average defender at his position um, Josh Hart, I would say, is an above-average defender as a two-guard, but he's not guarding the two, you know? Uh, so it's I, – I don't know. I, I think, I think there, is, there is a roster issue in play that um, is a lot, goes a lot deeper than guys just not, play, not playing good defense. Yeah, I mean, they need, they need guys who can cover and protect and um, – you know, kind of, I guess, masks some of the weaknesses that Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram have defensively because, like, let's just be honest, they're both pretty bad defenders right now. And if you think back to when we talked right after last season ended, we we talked about, like, you know, five concerns about this team moving forward. I think, you know, number two or number three, what we talked about was that the Pelicans forwards, who they're kind of building everything around, they're just, they're just pretty bad defenders. And, like, it's it's going to be very difficult to even build an average defense when both of your starting forwards are 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 bad defenders. Um, you know Zion Williamson. I think there's some signs of improvement as the season has gone on. I mean, I think as the fitness level continues to improve, like he he could become a lot better. Like I'm I'm seeing, you know, him stay stay in front of ball hinders on the perimeter a little bit better. I mean, where he really has the most issues is when he has to close out. Like when he has to go 10 feet and close out, it feels like he gets blown by almost every single time. Um, Brandon Ingram, I'm just, I'm just not sure like what the answers are defensively for him. I mean, to me, the best way I could describe it is like, he just, uh, he has like these, these mental lapses where he just falls asleep a lot. Like I, I think you just need to see more consistent attentiveness and one of the things that Stan Van Gundy brought up about this team is that a lot of guys on this roster, they kick themselves when they have really bad shooting nights. And like it wears on them when they play poor offensive games. But when they play bad defensive games, it doesn't really affect them as much. Like it's not as big of a deal to them. And I think, you know, one way for this to get better is for guys to to take that more personally or like to have it burn them you know, inside when they don't play well on the defensive end, because that's, that's how you win more consistently. I mean, you just, 
you have to defend a little bit. And so, you know, it, they're just in the situation where the pieces offensively don't complement Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson that well. And I think they still have a pretty good offense because those two guys are just, you know, incredible offensive players. But the pieces don't really complement them that well on defense, and and they're not good defenders. So yeah, I just I just don't know what this team is. No, and one thing that I that I kind of felt after the the Heat game is I actually like Jackson Hayes as a guy who's chasing people out on the perimeter. I think uh, the issue for him as a defender is is getting packed in the paint and getting overpowered. Um, I and I think. There is some utility to be had in a rotation where Zion actually plays the five and Jackson Hayes plays the four, and he's and he's out getting getting switched into pick and roll, uh, because just you got to find a way to use that length. And uh, and he had three blocks in that game, and they're all weak side blocks. I think that might be a way to to try to incorporate just some defensive energy, uh, probably at the expense of the offensive side of the ball, at least in the half court. But yeah, I. I I don't know whether you're going to end up seeing a defensive competent Zion Williamson this season. I just, I don't think that the, um, you know, he, as he gets in better shape and, and his, his energy levels is better and um, his reactions are a little quicker. I think you'll see him improve, but even, even as you watch him, a lot of the plays that he's making a, nice play on defensively he's getting blown by and then recovering for a block right yeah he's still getting beat off the ball he's just he's regained that level of energy where he can recover um and and that's good to see but it's also you know not a great sign that he just can't stay in front of guys he just doesn't have that lateral mobility right now um who knows if he will get that back or if he needs to drop 10 20 pounds to to be able to move fast enough to stay in front of guys. But. Do you think we're ever getting a, uh, a storyline in Zion's career where he goes to a plant-based di- plant-based diet? We see that with a lot of like great players. Like Chris Paul is like, you know, he's on this kick of like, oh, my career is prolonged because I went to this plant-based diet. Uh, what are what are the odds that we get that at any point in Zion's career? Probably okay. very slim. <laughs> you don't have to answer that. <laughs> I'm uh, kind of messing around. No, and, and there is, I've had a few people ask me this, you know, and, and it's like Zion... He is in better shape than he was last year, but he's still big. He's still bigger than he was at Duke. And to me, the question is, you know, is this an intentional thing? Is this like I need to bulk? I needed to bulk up to bang down low with guys at the NBA level, and so at the expense of some mobility and some, uh, you know, lateral quickness, and that is helping him on the offensive side of the ball. But it's not helping him on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, if you drop 20, 25 pounds and you're able to defend better, are you still able to be the efficient offensive score machine that he has proven to be uh, in the paint this season? I don't know. Um, but I think that at a certain point, you know, and, and it's not going to happen this season. You can't change your body that way throughout the course of a season. But I think you're going to have to look at a certain point and say, okay, what is the optimal uh, approach to being a successful NBA, whatever you want to call Zion Williamson, um, and he needs to be a two-way player for this team to succeed at the level that fans and the organization wants them to succeed. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, what's what's crazy is, like, we're saying all this, and on Sunday he's going to become the fourth youngest player in an NBA All-Star game ever. I mean, the other guys in that list are uh, Kobe, LeBron James, and Magic Johnson. Pretty 
pretty incredible company um, to be in. Uh, did you did you have any takeaways from that All Star Draft? The All Star Draft, by the way, is just it was a great invention. Shout out to whoever came up with that idea. I mean, you. I feel like you learn so much about what players think about other players. I was kicking myself because I I should have put my life savings on Rudy Gobert being the last player in that draft. <laughs> I was telling you can ask the other beat writers. We were sitting there watching it before we we're about to watch the game. I was telling them Gobert is definitely the last player in this draft, and it got down to Mitchell and Gobert. And Gobert is the last pick, and I was like, oh my god, why didn't I put money on this? Well, no one plays defense in the All Star game anyway, so why why would you pick a defensive? <laughs> defensive stopper um but so one thing that i always find interesting is other nba players fawn over kyrie irving as a basketball player just because of how he plays because like we mentioned with brandon ingram the other day he's got that he's got sauce he's got that damn factor and then that's always the case but he went second i think after Giannis. um and and to me that's it i, I always find that fascinating uh, because I think if you asked NBA fans uh, who you know they think the top five players are, Kyrie Irving would never get mentioned. Um, but among the players, there is an immense amount of respect for how he plays the game. Uh, and I think because they appreciate how insane the things he does are, a lot, even more than people watching the game. Uh, the, and the other thing that I took away from that was not only Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell went second to last. So <laughs> the Jazz got clowned in <laughs> the NBA's best record at the last two picks. Uh, I thought that was funny. I shouldn't I shouldn't take joy in it because I do think it's bad to like just crap on on small markets. And like honestly, that's one of the things I least enjoy about the NBA is like we're constantly messaging to the best players. Like you got to get to one of these four markets to really make it. That said, I'm like, I'm sorry. A part of me enjoys the Utah jazz slander. Um, yeah. The, the Kyrie thing was funny, man. I mean, obviously, you know, KD is teammates with them. Like you gotta, right. you gotta take your teammate up high or like, I mean, what do you like, what is he <laughs> going to say to you after the all-star break? But you're right. I mean, Kyrie Irving is a real Hooper trademark, you know, like, one of those guys that that other players appreciate. Brandon Ingram is definitely one of those guys. I I just love the drama of the player draft. LeBron LeBron is hilarious on those things too. Like they kind of asked him like, oh, you know, in the past, like you've taken guys who you thought you could have teamed up with down the road, and he's like, yeah, like there's not really a great free agent crop this year. Like I'm just gonna <laughs> draft for talent. Uh, Team LeBron's starting five, by the way, too. Oh my god, there isn't a great tampering crop this year. Yeah, there isn't a there isn't a great t- tampering crop, but uh, yeah, uh, team team LeBron on paper looks uh, a little more talented. I mean, who knows? It's an all. Has he game. been in every one? Has he been the guy picking in every one? I think so. I think yeah, because I I want to say Giannis was in it last year, and I can't remember the year before that, but I'm pretty sure LeBron is the uh, common denominator in all of them. He has been there since the <laughs> since the birth of the All Star uh, player draft. Well, uh, did you see The Athletic came out with the story today? I haven't got the chance to read it yet. He's been in uh, All-Star Games in 17 of his 18 years. And they did a story on, oh, he didn't make it the one year. And, like, the disrespect, I thought that was uh, I thought that was kind of funny. I've, I haven't read the story, so I can't comment that much. But it's, it's funny, like, that's the thing you look at. Like, what about the one year LeBron didn't make it? Right. But, yeah, he probably, you know, I think a lot of players, you know, they look at it as a break. LeBron is just, like, penciling it into his schedule. Uh, every year. And he's like, nah, no dunk contest. But otherwise, 
You know, one thing we didn't mention is that no Zion in the dunk contest. Um, thank God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think when you saw like Anthony Simons and Cassius Stanley were going to be a part of that, it's like, I mean, Zion's not doing that. Like you need, you need a talented field for him to participate in because like, I mean, there's just nothing really for him to, to gain. And like, it's I at mean, halftime. <laughs> yeah, it's it's at halftime too. That's that's a big part of it's it. It's like it's like you're gonna have uh, you're gonna have a commercial for Dick's Sporting Goods, and they're like, oh yeah, All Star Game, oh dunk contest. Um, like you're better off having Dick Bavetta race Charles Barkley again. I think that would be a better use of your time than having a dunk contest at halftime. Um, which did you catch any of the um, the special they did on the uh, inside the NBA last night after the broadcast? I didn't watch. No. It was actually it was a lot better than I thought it would be. I was it was actually a lot of fascinating stuff. And one of the things they pointed out was uh, when Dick when Charles Barkley challenged Dick Bavetta to a race, and uh, they did it at the All Star Game, and Charles Barkley won and fell on his ass. And then afterward, <laughs> Dick Bavetta gave him a hug and kissed him on the lips. <laughs> uh, I I remember watching that at the All Star Game. Um, yeah, in, in incredible stuff. It's like man. The strangest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Kissed him on the lips. Oh what the hell is my that? gosh! And Charles is like, "Yeah, okay, this is normal." Anyway, but yeah, you should right. check that out. It's good. All right, I'll give it a look. Before we get out of here, um, Zion Williamson over under eleven and a half All Star appearances. What say you? Eleven and a half. So that I mean, at that point, you're. It's not only whether he makes it; it's how long his career is, because. Um, I mean, at that point, you're talking if he makes it every year for the next decade to get to 12, to get to 11 even, uh, you're talking about 32. Um, I'm going under. Yeah, I'm taking the over. He switches to a plant-based diet in year eight, and uh, that's that's the secret sauce to, to uh, the, the back nine of his career. Yeah, that's he's going to have I a said. hard time making it once he fully transitions to point guard. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the first of many All-Star Game appearances for Zion Williamson. Uh, pretty fun guy to watch play basketball. Um, appreciate you guys listening, um, and we will talk to you again next week. Peace.